Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Pretty in Pink. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we do discuss the plot and can't guarantee there won't be spoilers. Enjoy. When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Hello. Hi, how's it going? I am good. How are you? Good, good. How do you look in pink? That's a question. It is a question. I choose to believe that I look pretty in pink, personally. Is there a um, a song about that that could illuminate matters further? Yeah. Um, it goes a little something like this. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> yep, that's, that's the one I was thinking of. Exactly, exactly right. Don't you forget about me in my pink outfit. That that that's how that song goes, isn't it? Yeah. No, it was actually. Um, don't you forget about Glee? Don't you forget about memes? <laughs> yeah, it's it's easy to forget about memes, isn't it? It is. It is. Um. So, do you look good in pink? I don't yeah. think I've ever seen you in pink, have I? I don't know. Have you? Probably not. It's not part of your usual repertoire. No, I've, I've nothing against it. Obviously. I just would need to branch out and find something in that category to wear. Well, that's our, that's our homework for this episode then, isn't it? Is, yeah. Uh, Baseball teams wear pink on Mother's Day and it's really embarrassing and trite. But uh, it does mean that there's a pink Toronto Blue Jays shirt out there that's probably discounted because no one wants to buy it because it's a Mother's Day shirt. So I might be able to get a hold of a pink baseball shirt, is what I'm saying. Um. The football club Bordeaux often has a pink second kit. Really? Yeah, they regularly have a pink kit as their away strip. Nice. Um, happens all the time. Um, and uh, if it's not their away strip, then often the goalkeepers will be wearing it. It's kind of their thing. So their main kit is is navy and white. But then, yeah, they have a they have a pink away kit. Right. That's cool. Because Bordeaux's cool. Yeah. It is. Do they drink lots of wine? Of course they on the, do. It's, on the pitch. It is Bordeaux. Yeah. They're just there drinking up their wine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so we, we watched a movie. We did. We did. Yesterday I watched a film called um, The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> that, that wasn't where I was going to go with this, but yeah. <laughs> You did, didn't you? How did you I find did, it yeah. on the second watch? It's funny, I, I still enjoyed it because it's Star Wars and I love Star Wars and I will always enjoy watching Star Wars, especially something that's part of, as it's now called, the Skywalker saga. But yeah, it, it did come across as, you know, just kind of basic. And like I said on the episode where we talked about it, that yeah, it was very, very evident that they'd done it just to kind of placate the fans rather than taking it in any interesting direction. And that they just kind of, it was clear that they'd never originally planned an arc for the whole trilogy. And it made that very apparent in a way that was quite glaring. But Babu Frick. Yeah, Babu Frick doesn't quite make up for all of the rest of the shortcomings for me. Um, But the last, 
the last episode of The Mandalorian, I believe, is now available in the UK. Have you thought I'm, about I'm watching more of it? I'm still only up to episode three. So. <sighs> Come on, dude. I'll, I'll get to it. But, you know, on Disney+, Plus, there's also Goofy's Guide to Baseball from 1942. So, you know... I mean, I that like sounds... between that and you know the monkey welders and the rise of Skywalker, who I love, it's starting to finally, I'm starting to finally feel like Disney Plus was maybe worth it. I will not get Disney Plus because of the way that they've treated their staff in uh, in the time of COVID. Um, yeah, I'd already paid be- for it <laughs> because when you think of that, they have been atrocious for laying off staff. Um, it really horrendous practice here. Um, because you know when you think of companies that don't have very much money immediately disney comes to mind as a company that runs on very fine margins yeah that can therefore. afford to take it that can never afford to take a hit you know um yeah guys don't Walt disney dicks. famously lived in a shack yeah yeah disneyland is just mud on the ground <laughs> that's all it the is orig- the original one was like that so I, I have a question for you is the show dave the barbarian on disney plus I don't know. Dave Can you find out in. for me? Because I haven't I l- seen it on when I've been logged in, but I can certainly search for it now. <laughs> Just looking at my avatar, which is Gaston. <laughs> Dave the Barbarian. Because it is one of the funniest things that Disney ever did in terms of their kids' TV. No, it is not. <sighs> you are useless, Disney+. Plus. Very annoying. That, that's... What, what comes up in the search is Gotta Kick It Up, which appears to be some kind of teen soccer film. Jump In, which looks like a dance movie. And Lilo and Stitch 2. Stitch has a glitch. That all sounds terrible. Um, yeah, Dave the Barbarian's not on it. Apparently Fillmore isn't on it either. Do you remember Fillmore? No. It was the cartoon that was a bit like a detective show. Um, like a sort of 60s detective show, but all set in a school. So it was a hall monitor. When you search that, Who Framed Roger Rabbit comes up. <sighs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit is too good for Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I honestly don't know if I've ever seen it all the way through. Oh, it's so good. It looks very creepy and strange. It's incredible. It's one of the best films ever made. <laughs> and then suggested under that is Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Which is not one of the best films now, ever made. that's a film. A it's bad a dog movie. Film, a bad dog movie. There's no such thing as a bad dog movie. There's yeah. movies which feature bad dogs, because often, oftentimes dogs are bad dogs, but there's no such thing as a bad movie featuring dogs. Turner and Hooch is just the movie that wishes it could be any which way but loose. Because you know what's better than a dog movie? An orangutan movie. <laughs> I've never seen any which way but loose. Is that a spin-off from Footloose? It, that's exactly what it is. No, it is a movie where I can't believe you've never seen it. It's very much up your street. It is a a comedy movie with Clint Eastwood and an orangutan. <laughs> and they're, <laughs> and they're like and they're like buddies and they, they go on adventures. <laughs> it's amazing. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I can't believe you've not watched it. Is there romance in any which way but loose? Because if there is, we need to watch it on this podcast. Platonic love between a man and a monkey. Yeah, what what more could you like? And I'll, I'll have you know it's an ape, thank you very much. An ape, okay, sorry. Yes. Um, anyway, right. There are unfortunately no orangutans in Pretty in Pink. Can I just say that I'm looking at the poster for this and Clint Eastwood looks impossibly old in this film and this is from 1978. <laughs> it's because he's, he's still alive. Been... 
He's always he's been two hundred years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was born old. If you look at the Bayer tapestry, one of them looks suspiciously like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, and if you translate the the bottom line about um, two point sixty nine meters across, it says "Let's fuck on the linoleum." <laughs> exactly in old exactly. English. Oh dear. Um, so anyway, right. Pretty in Pink is a film. It is a film. Had you seen this before? I had seen it before, yes. Um, not in a fair while. Um, it's got to have been at least five years or so since I last saw it. Maybe longer, actually. Um, it is a movie. It is one of the most 80s movies. Um, and is is it a, is it a favourite of yours? Is it something that you've No, I wouldn't say regularly? that. No, actually, I, th- I think I hadn't seen it in at least 10 years. Um, it was in some like DVD box set that I used to have with a l- bunch of films from that era. Um, and it was one of the ones I that wasn't in my regular rotation that I maybe watched the first time and then didn't watch again. Not because like I think it's bad, I think it's all right. It just wasn't like up there for me. Sure, sure. And it, it, it's one of those quintessential 80s rom-coms isn't it or, or or teen movies of the 80s so it's held up with things like 16 candles the breakfast club obviously both um yeah howard hughes ventures as well howard hughes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, john hughes the spruce goose <laughs> <laughs> yes i said hop in although i would i would definitely watch a movie directed <laughs> by howard hughes Howard Hughes, American businessman. Because um, he was a film director, wasn't he, as well, I think. I think he was, um, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did film director sorts. and philanthropist. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think maybe we need to set up a, a separate podcast to watch the movies of Howard Hughes. Yeah. Um, oh, my God, he did the original the Scarface. Yeah, he did. Oh, my God, that's incredible. That's amazing. I didn't realise he'd done actual movies alongside building tiny planes and be, being being <laughs> the Elon Musk of his generation. Literally everything I know about Howard Hughes comes from that one scene in The Simpsons where Mr. Burns <laughs> tells Smithers to hop into the tiny plane. <laughs> oh, he also did, he did the movie where John Wayne plays Genghis Khan and it's all very racist. Oh, that sounds normal and okay. Yeah, um, it is a thing that happened. Um, but we're talking, we're, talk, we're talking about not Howard Hughes here. We're talking about John Hughes. John Hughes, who I love. A less exciting filmmaker. Also has problems of race. Yeah. Um, but not in this movie. I don't no. remember there being any. No one does a racism in, in Pretty in Pink. No, because I think all the characters were white, weren't they? Yes, yes, they Should've were. Should called it pretty and white. Am I right? <laughs> um, so, so with this movie, for those who haven't seen it, poor woman at high school, um, she starts a relationship with rich man, and there's a little bit of tension because of that, and then there's also the fact that her best friend is creepily in love with her and so it's a friend zone movie it is the ultimate as i said to you in a text it's a bit of a lazy (laughs) joke but you know ducky more like cucky because (laughs) he is he is cucked in this movie (laughs) 
<laughs> um, it's a funny name for that character, isn't it? Ducky. It is, and it's it never is explained where, it's come, where it comes from. There are multiple times where he's like, just so you know, I'm a duck man. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> does it mean he's a, he's a Hemsworth? It, it means he's a Hemsworth, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, it means that no, whenever he gets... he's not wooden, is he? You couldn't accuse him of being wooden. No, whenever he gets a takeaway, he... Um, uh, he he gets crispy duck, right? Okay, that's where he gets his nickname from. Yes, exactly. And they're like, "Do you want a quarter duck, a half duck?" And he's like, "I'll have the whole duck. I'll have the entire duck." Yep. Beacon all. Duck. Um. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. So it's a it's a basic romance. Um, at high school, kind of a love triangle, but not really. No, and and I like the fact, and obviously we'll we'll get on to the, um, we'll, we'll get on to the the factoids later. But obviously, it's it's quite well known that they are initially going to make it more of a love triangle thing, where at the end Molly Ringwald's character ends up with Ducky. Um, I haven't but... I haven't had my factoids yet today. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> so 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 yeah, and Andy was originally going to end up with Ducky, um, but test <laughs> test audiences hated it so much that they yeah. changed it, um, which is great he's because he's really annoying because he's in- incredibly creepy, unbearably annoying, and even people in the eighties thought, yeah, this is too much, man. That is a bit of a surprise because in the eighties you think people would be okay with that. Yeah, but even then, um, they thought well, it's not because yeah, they cared just... cared that he was creepy. It's because they just thought he was a knob. <laughs> yeah, well, and and he is incredibly creepy. Um, he he is a super. But didn't you tell character. from the scene where he talks to himself and then sings at Molly Ringwald's dog that he's in love with her? I love this woman. I love her. Let me <laughs> sing a song to her dog. And, and and that's exactly well, she goes what and gets I, me a juice box that that's exactly why i what i do when i'm in love with someone yep um i i go uh i remember the yes. time you came and sang to my dog <laughs> i'm always singing at dogs <laughs> yeah that's why you had to get a cat because you can't sing sing at a cat i mean i do I, I do regularly sing at the cats you do but she has no interest in it i know she told me you don't talk she, to my she cat. She texted me going, oh, he's singing again. Can't you believe it. You don't talk to my cat. You stay away from my he's, t- he's, tiny... He's singing orchestral maneuvers in the dark s- again. <laughs> you, you stay away from my tiny furry madam. Thank you very much. And she's um, like, oh, he, he's singing. It means nothing to me. Oh, Vienna. And she's like, yeah, it definitely means nothing to me. I mean, she does have that level of sass. Oh, no, that wasn't then, was it? That was Ultravox. That was Ultravox, yeah. Fun fact, a song... the first band my mum ever went to see in concert. They were also, weren't they held off number one in the charts of Vienna by some terrible novelty song? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love terrible novelty songs. Especially know... in the charts. So you, don't, you don't get that these days, do you? You don't, you don't, yeah. Um, I think it's a good thing. Um, oh yeah, it was shut up for your face. Go <laughs> Dolce. So it was it was kept <laughs> off the number one spot by Woman by John Lennon, and then by Shut Up Your Face. Brilliant. Um, I'd honestly still rather listen to Shut Up Your Face than anything by John Lennon solo. <laughs> I love the Beatles, but yeah, 
But Ultravox are a very cool band, actually. Um, but I know very little about them. They are much more than um, than that one song, even though that's what people know of them. Um, and they kind of went through loads of different phases throughout their career. So everyone thinks of them as being this this mid uh, this mid year venture, but actually they had sort of many years before that as well it's yeah it's they're they're an interesting band they're worth the worth listening to and investigating so they do mean something to you they do mean a lot to me well shut up your face because <laughs> they mean nothing to me how long can we keep this guy going can we please stop now what's the matter you hey <laughs> <laughs> um i'm reading so- the lyrics to myself oh there's lots of them Wow, this goes on for a long time. Hello, I'm a Giuseppe. I got us something special for you, ready? Uno, duo, tre, quattro. Yeah, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, please stop. <laughs> um, they'd all become as annoying as Ducky in this movie. Because... Always shoot a pool. Giuseppe going to flunk a school. Because <laughs> his character, right, is... It's not just a kind of unrequited love. And it's interesting. You can see a through road, through road from these characters all the way through to um, characters like Xander in Buffy the Vampire Slayer in terms of being annoying sex pest friends. And yeah, and and it's very interesting that it, it you know he he's constantly making sexual comments towards her in a way that's played off as jokey, but secretly it's like yeah, I mean he does have romantic interest in her, so he is kind of saying these things very openly to a woman and he's making her uncomfortable all the time and disrupting her at her work. Um, it's it's like, then, because he's not one of the macho guys because he's this like nerdy cook boy that like that stuff coming from him doesn't actually mean it. So it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's a whole, um, it's a whole geeky guys can't be misogynist thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then he, but he I also makes, nice he he also makes those kind of comments towards other women as well. He treats um, her friend um, Iona incredibly poorly and also um, is just generally a bit of a jerk and then threatens to stop being friends of her because she fancies someone else and is going out with somebody else. Yeah. And and he does then come because round to Because she has his... a date. Yeah, she has a date. And, and suddenly that him. makes him really angry. It's like yeah, how you have how... it's the classic thing that appears in a lot of these kind of like rom coms where it's like the person who likes the person hasn't really even properly communicated it to them or even just like said it and it's like you could have just said that, mate. But then you wouldn't have the film, would you? Yes, exactly. You wouldn't you wouldn't have that if people acted with respect for one another. Um <laughs> quite simply. And it's um... the, the same as what I was saying about that film Love Wedding Repeat Repeat the other day. That um, it does that thing where the thing that drives the two people apart is never actually dealt with. It's enough that like they, someone ran off to the other person, or in this case, like when she goes to the prom and she she sees that Ducky is there, she's so pleased to see him because she's on her own that they're just like suddenly friends again, and it's all fine that he said all that stuff, even though he's been moping, listening to the Smiths in his bedroom, <laughs> wearing sunglasses indoors for a week, and he is listening to one of the worst Smith songs. I hate that song. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. <laughs> it's not I wouldn't say it's high up in my favorite list of Smith songs but I do like it but I genuinely Morrissey is usually I'm in, nine times out of ten I am able to separate the art from the artist although obviously if people are cancelled with good reasons then you have to make your own decision but like 
Morrissey is genuinely such a massive wanker that I find it really difficult to enjoy their music anymore. And like, he just keeps getting worse. Separate the fart from the fartist, more like. <laughs> exactly. Um, Which is what he does. I, I can still listen to the Smiths a bit, but I, th- I think I'm, I'm helped by the fact that I, I've enjoyed them, but I don't think they ever had the scope and the the power of the cure if you're looking at bands from that era yeah um who i think are a, a much superior band with a lot more interesting things to say but i do think that there are elements of the smiths that work incredibly well so what difference does it make as an absolute bop and bop is an underused yeah uh, word in general <laughs> it slaps how, how soon is now is one of my favorite songs of all time it's gorgeous um that's a banger but but when they're just moping around with some chimey guitars and morrissey's warbling like a dying pheasant i'm just like fuck <laughs> off you miserable twats what about heaven knows i'm miserable now heaven knows i'm miserable now listening to him navel gazing asswipe <laughs> hey so what would robert smith have to do for for you to make it difficult for you to listen to the cures music be a racist i don't know <laughs> Yeah. What if you found out he he was into he'd been tweeting like coronavirus five G conspiracy theories? <laughs> yeah, that would help. But he's incredibly cool in every way. Thankfully, Robert Smith is pretty sound as an individual, um, which is which is nice given that so many other yeah. people seem to be suffering from brain worms who happen to have been around at the same time as him. Yeah. God bless him. But in general, the music in this film is good. I like it. It's, yeah. it's full of some good songs. It's, it's well known soundtrack. for having a good soundtrack. Yes, it has. And it, what's interesting about it as well is that it's all new wave. So it's like not necessarily like 80s pop that you'd associate with the era. It's a little bit off to the left, isn't it? And it's not stuff that's necessarily endured that much, but it's still very much of the time and is very, very evocative when you watch it. Yeah, exactly. It's It's got that that tone and that feeling that really transports you to that era. Um, in a way that if they did just play a load of like the most common stuff from then that it maybe wouldn't work as well um and and, and that's not to say that there's not some iconic songs but in, in part i think some of the legacy of the songs is because of the movie particularly you know the title track from psychedelic furs um is <laughs> um is 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 partly it, it partly has that legacy because of this film not to say that it's not a good song but you know when it's tied into a movie as intrinsically in it as it is in this case there's a reason why it's it's stayed around for so long yep and the same with them um, if you leave by orchestral maneuvers in the dark as well which really interestingly um was recorded was written and recorded in less than 24 hours because of the ending change and they'd originally had a different song and John Hughes made he rang them up and was like, "Guys, we changed the ending. Can you can you do us a new song?" <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, here we go." And it turned out to be like one of their biggest hits. Yes, yeah, I, I knew that as well. It's amazing how quickly they put it together. And um, in the prom scene where the kids are dancing to it, they'd already shot that, and they had them dance to "Don't You Forget About Me," and. Um, so he told them that they had to record a song at 120 BPM so they could sync it up with the dancing. And apparently there are some bits that are still out of sync, but it looked fine to me. I mean, you can always just get away with thinking it's a bunch of white kids dancing. It's not going to be in time, <laughs> yeah. is it? At a um, prom. <laughs> exactly. Um, but but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's got that 
80s feel. It feels a little bit more real and grounded than some of the other 80s movies, like Footloose. Um, yeah. It, it, it feels I, a I love more Footloose. human. I, I love Footloose. And I think I like Footloose more than this movie. But this one feels more human, I think. It feels more real. Yeah. This one doesn't have Kevin Bacon like jumping around and pumping iron in a dis- disused warehouse in that kind of sepia tone light. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no power dancing. I think it doesn't have John Lithgow as scary priest daddy. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we want, don't we? That's what we. Want. But there is an emotional dad in this film, and some emotional dad chat. There is played by Harry Dean Stanton, survived being murdered by the alien in Alien to become yeah. a dad in this film. Um, he's great. I mean, he's great in everything, but um, yeah, he he really does a good job as that emotional dad. Yeah. And they don't overdo it, but it is there. And that actually is some of the most real stuff in the film, I think. The conversations that she has with him and the bit where she eventually kind of has this mini breakdown at him about her mum not coming back and stuff. And I thought that was that was really well done, actually. Yes. Yeah. There's there's a tenderness there to that. And it it does kind of it brings home um the sort of reality of their situation a bit more and it's it's interesting how how well that's sort of stuck with people so i don't know if you've watched um sex education on netflix at all no i've heard good things which is it's a very funny um a very funny show um very human again and the relationship of um of the sort of female lead of that so not the young guy who looks a lot like elijah wood um but um but i f- i've forgotten her her character name um but like the the female lead in that um is it does come from a a, a dysfunctional family low income family and again it plays with those ideas of um of of class and everything like that so it's yeah it's it's interesting to see those kind of stories still being told and and it's done in a little bit of a basic way here yeah um i think that's the right word and and so it doesn't really go very in depth but i do like the fact that and and again this came down to another reason why they changed the ending is they do have that breakdown of the class system where they are able to be together and and they they both make the right choice and they're like yeah okay it doesn't matter if we come from different backgrounds we can follow our hearts yeah um even though that the obs that being an obstacle felt a bit manufactured it did because you and and I think this comes down to the weakness of characters and I think that's the main flaw of this film is I don't think although the film feels very human I don't necessarily think it's I don't know what you mean feel. about James Spader in this film I think his character <laughs> is really well rounded and not at all just a rich creepy jerk Can I just point out by the way that James Spader has one of the best <laughs> voices ever Yeah I love his voice um and I love him in everything um but uh, but yeah, he, I think he's uh, actually underrated in um, the American Office in the later seasons when it started to tail off. But they bring him in as this kind of distant business owner, as Robert California. Robert California. Yeah, it's so <laughs> good, so good. He's um, brilliant in that. He's he's really good in everything. I mean, you know, obviously he was in a lot of stuff in the eighties, um, but uh, one of which is a potential movie for next time. I'm not sure. It's a bit of a wild card option. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you give you a couple of options there. Cool, um, cool. But he's also, you know, he's in, and he's had such a varied career, you know, doing things like Stargate 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. He's in the um he's in the adaptation of Less Than Zero, which is a really interesting um Oh, I've never seen it. Yeah, I read the it's, book. It's it's an interesting book. The film doesn't quite make it work the same way, but he plays the lead in that. Um and so yeah, he's he's had this very yeah, it's a very interesting, varied career. Um, obviously, I, I partly love him because of Crash, which is one of my favorite films. Um, yep. But uh, but yeah, he, he's good, and and I like him in this, even though his character is so, uh, so one dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> because and at least there's that strength there behind the one dimensional nature of it. Whereas I think a lot of the rest of the time, the characters in this feel a little bit weak and also but without that kind of strength behind one characteristic apart from apart from ducky who i think is obviously just i'm an annoying jerk (laughs) um a lot of the characters don't really have that and i think an annoying goofy jerk though i think maybe in 1986 they thought that that was funny yeah yeah when he comes and sings the um things try a little tenderness in the record shop and he's goofing around i didn't think that was unfunny no, I think I think there are, you know, I think I think his character is very annoying, but I think there there are elements that work quite well about it, and it all t- all ties into the the quality of the film as a whole. Um, but but equally, I think Blaine as a, a another male lead in this isn't a strong enough character, and I don't think you ever get the sense no. that he really cares about his upbringing. He is or, wet milk. He he is the male wet milk. Um, but you never really get a sense that he really cares about his status enough to make it an issue that he's going out with with Andy in this film. No, it's it's, it's not like to all the boys I've loved before, um, where where they have those kind of friendship divides and everything like that. Here, you never really get the sense that he fits in with his old friendship group, and so in which case, when he does kind of go, oh, maybe we shouldn't see each other, you kind of think, why? You've never really shown any hesitation. Yeah. It makes no sense. And then there's the whole thing where like, he says that he asked someone else to prom, but then he's alone at the prom. Did he get stood up or what? I, think, I don't know. Well, I, I think the idea was that he lied to her about saying about going with somebody else and he was just trying to let her down right. in a way that wasn't, I, I just can't be with you because of classism. Yeah, which just didn't really land. No, no. Um, and so you're kind of left with this awkward situation at the end where you, you think... Andy seems like a cool kid. She's got a choice between sex pest and wet milk. Yeah. Why is she making the choice at all? <laughs> yeah. Because because you don't Why really Why doesn't she just fuck it all off and go to college? Yeah, and because uh, you don't really get that sense that there is that strong relationship between her and Blaine. In the in the scenes that they are together, it's a little bit sweeter, but you don't There are a really... couple of nice moments, but you don't get the feeling that they get to know each other at all. And at the end, when at the end of the film, he says, yeah, I love you. You're like, no, you don't. You don't even know her, you idiot. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. He doesn't know her. And neither of them has really done anything to stand out to one another, apart from having just that attraction. And and that goes for Andy as well as, as, as Blaine, because Andy as a character is maybe marginally better, but you'd expect it to be as the, the, the true lead of the film. Yeah. Um, but it never really, they never really stand out and they never really click in the way that you really need them to in a film like this. No, they don't. And there are some nice moments between them. And again, like when he comes to the record store and he's like, got his, he's got some record and he's just like, is this good? <laughs> that made me kind of laugh, but it was also supposed to be a sweet moment. 
And also, I guess it's interesting because I remember when, when back before music was readily available on the internet, you would back before music back before back back in my day we just had a stick that we hit against <laughs> another stick and that's how the beatles wrote their songs um but 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 before before streaming and before limewire and before things like that um particularly if you didn't have things like kerrang or mtv2 you were kind of stuck with the radio oh, and geez, the radio yeah the worst invention it's ever barbaric get out radios we have no time for you um and and so you did have to kind of take a gamble on things and you did kind of have to listen on things based on recommendations from other from other people and it wouldn't necessarily be going into a record store and buying something that you didn't know although i'd done that before just based on yeah this, these people are put in the same category as these yeah or, ask, or asking someone and saying i like this what else do you think i'd like which i've done in you know not not places like HMV, but more um, independent record stores. Yeah. Um, and and so there is that interesting element of listening to music that I I guess has kind of been lost now entirely. So it does feel like a novelty. Someone going to a record store and browsing, and thinking, "Hey, what's this like? What can you recommend to me? Is this album good?" Because now you can go online, find it, and go, "Yeah, this is shit. I'm not listening to this." <laughs> yeah. Because he eventually comes back to the store and tells her that he didn't like the record. He did not like the record. I kind of remember what it was. It was... Steve someone. It was Your Bum. Yeah, Your uh, Bum. Famous <laughs> 80s hair metal band, Your Bum. They had, to, they had to do a song in 120 BPM to, to match their farts. <laughs> yeah. That's true facts. All farts happen at 120 BPM. That's, That's true. true. It's science. Um... <laughs> right um uh yeah yeah it's and so yeah it's again it's that little bit of 80s novelty i guess because because even when we were starting to to listen to music in like i don't know i guess like late 90s where we, where people really started getting into music in 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 the way that people do in this film um already by then a lot of places had like mtv2 or kerrang or something like that on their freeview box we didn't get that until, as we talked about extensively on our other show, Pod Durst, which you should totally check out. We got that around 2002, two, three. Yeah. So yeah. 90s was all like tapes, making tapes and occasionally taping stuff off the radio. But like, and my dad had a whole bunch of CDs, so CDs and tapes. And we sometimes bought tapes. They'd go to Woolworths, remember Woolworths, and they'd have like the tape and the CD of the album next to each other. And you could choose your format. Imagine that. You could, and uh, tapes were ever so slightly cheaper. Yeah, um, and and sometimes you get different B sides on the tapes to the CDs. It was a very interesting time. And then sometimes you'd buy a CD, and then the CD would also have the music video on it in a horrible compressed format. <laughs> Do yeah, you remember you'd never those actually days? Actually, be able to play. You put it in your computer, it would take like 10 minutes to load and yeah. then it wouldn't, it would play really jerkily. Yeah. Or or they do things like um, include a screensaver for the band on oh the CD. God. Do you remember that? Yeah. This it is was very so like, good. Windows XP era stuff. Yeah. Th- this is a real like Windows 98 through to Windows when XP. Every computer came with, like humans do, Radio Edit by David Byrne as the one preloaded track on Windows Media Player. Remember that? Oh, I remember that. Um, 
yeah this is such a niche era where sc- novelty screensavers were a thing yeah and they were um, all horrendous there were no good ones <laughs> uh, what are you talking about the flying stars as all-time greats great. I, i'm not aware of their music <laughs> I, I i do not we need to make a pretty in pink style film but for this era like sort of around 2000 2001 oh yeah that would definitely work um and and the equivalent would be oh have you got any recommendations for me and they give an album and then he comes back in the next day and it's like yeah i i downloaded that but it gave me a virus through limewire and now my computer's <laughs> fucked yeah i went i went on kazar I downloaded it, but I don't think it was the right album. It was a bunch of dudes screaming. Someone had obviously tagged it with the wrong metadata. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I got six other tracks that were f- from the soundtrack of the same film that I quite liked. Oh, man. I, I This should happen. This should happen. Do you think yeah. there's enough nostalgia for that horrible era? I think we're far enough removed from it now, and it's both in terms of time, but also culturally and technologically as well. And I'm surprised there hasn't been more of that kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That um, Maybe that's what the next... Because obviously we've had Stranger Things and the 80s has now been done to death. Um, well, you say that, but they keep making stuff. I think a lot of people thought that before Stranger Things came out. And I love Stranger Things, don't get me wrong. But I think there's such nostalgia for the 80s that stuff that came after, people still can't see that as nostalgic. Even though there's a whole bunch of only 90s kids who remember this memes, it's not done enough in film and television. Yeah, we need another Space Jam, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need Space Jam. Um, yeah, so maybe maybe it, uh, it feels as though things are starting to go more towards the 90s, though, because you've got things like Derry Girls um, uh, yeah. that are very much... So it, it seems as though things are moving into the 90s instead. So maybe then it's going to be that that late 90s, early 2000s era will be the next big um, retro uh, retro era after yeah. the 90s have been done to death. Everyone will um, have mini-disc players. Oh, mini-discs. Did you Tam- have a mini-disc Tam- player? I did not because I didn't. It seemed <laughs> completely pointless. I had a mini-disc player. What it could you awesome. what could you do with a mini disc player that you couldn't right. do with a regular CD player? It was like it was like tapes. You could tape a CD onto it, but you could insert your own track markers. That sounds entirely pointless. And you could you could put metadata on it as well. That's great. And, and it was small. It was like a little a little square, and you put the disc in, and it could hold loads more than a tape as well. It seems entirely pointless when you could just have a CD player for a tenth of the price. I loved it. Um, and you know, you know what I got after that? A CD you... player. <laughs> <laughs> My school, like the tech lab, had one of those things where you, they had played those giant CDs that were like massive twelve-inch wide CDs. Oh yeah, what were they? Laser discs. That's oh one. the laser discs. Yeah. Remember laser discs? I do remember laser discs. Laser discs were, I think were the last um they they were the last version of the Star Wars movies to have the um original versions rather than the edited ones on right so so when you try and find the original Star Wars films now because they no longer exist no one no one um distributes them at all allegedly the the prints have been lost entirely 
um, it's generally ripped from the Laserdisc versions, and those are the ones that were ported onto those rare DVD copies that were made yeah. um, in the in the early 2000s, which I do have a copy of. I have a secondhand version, so, just so nice. I don't have to just so I don't have to look at horrible CGI in the middle of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, sorry for talking Star Wars again. We're talking about another movie this 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 week but for god's sake that that dance scene in the at the beginning of return of the jedi where it goes into jabba's palace and they're singing that song and in in the normal version of it they're they're just it's just in the background and the movie continues but then in the in the special edition versions the versions that you can only see these days it turns into this whole dance number it's like this little music video in the middle of it with all of these horrible CGI aliens warbling and you're just like <laughs> God. And as we all know Rob famously hates musicals I hate musicals you hate fun and joy I do especially if it's aliens having joy yeah I mean I hate E.T. the best bit of E.T. Where is where it looks like he's dead <laughs> not the bit where he sings Vienna yeah. by Ultravox <laughs> which is exactly what happens um anyway right there are no aliens in this movie apart from maybe ducky which is because he's howard the duck that's where ducky comes from (laughs) howard the duck's an alien right yeah an alien duck or or is he from another dimension uh other dimension i think i haven't seen that in a long time he's from the duck dimension yep um (laughs) anyway right yeah no no howard the duck in this um so uh so yeah um but it, it we we've had a bit of a moan about this film but it is there's still something about it that's quite magical i think no, overall i think it's good it's competent and it's worth watching especially as a nostalgia piece for um for the 80s even though it came out before we were born we still get all that don't we because there is so much of that floating around but it's still really worth watching i just don't i don't think that it holds up as a very, very good and very engaging film where you'd be like, wow, that was really effective and I really want to watch that again. But as like a, as an 80s nostalgia piece and as a, a thing that was very much of its time and as a work of John Hughes that fits into a wider canon of stuff, it's well worth watching. Yeah, I agree. I think it it does have that place, doesn't it, where it's... If you're in the mood and you're going to be watching a load of these movies, this one fits in incredibly well. And And if you just want that kind of nostalgic retro feel this movie encapsulates it in a way that very few movies do um and there's nothing about it that's objectionable no there's no there's no people doing a racist it is a little bit sexist in terms of the characters but yeah yeah but that's of the time i think yeah but at the very least they also recognized that they needed to change things around a little bit and make it not the way that they initially intended yeah so I, I suppose in that way it does feel a little bit more progressive than some of the other films at the time, which which helps it not wear out its welcome too much because you know that, you know, Ducky does have a change of heart and hopefully goes on to not be a sex pest with the next woman that he fancies. Who's the, the beautiful woman on the dance floor who points to him and is like, yeah. hey, you, get over here. I love your shoes. Get over Which here. is what happens at every prom. Yeah, what, what, the, what was with his shoes? They were dirty. Hey, with Ducky. And he, he's like, I'm all, I'll always be a duck man. And then it goes to his shoes and he's wearing these like dirty plimsolls. 
was, was, was I missing something there? Well, I don't know whether that's meant to be a reference to his shoes. Is it some kind of reference that we're not getting because we're too young? Duck shoes. Yeah. Everyone it, in 1986 had duck shoes. But I think that they're meant to be sort of like retro shoes to go with his whole look, aren't they? So maybe right. it's some kind of retro kind of look that fits in and that's why he's also known as Ducky. I don't know. I, I, I have did, no idea. I did a bit of looking and I couldn't find an easy immediate answer and I gave up. So I just thought this is one of this is one of Earth's great mysteries as to why he's called Ducky. Um, I'm looking at duck shoes and there's men's Chelsea duck boots, Alaska men's tan duck boot. Yeah, this doesn't look like it's a thing. Duck shoes. Duck spotted wearing Ooh. shoes. Oh, hell yeah. I've seen a pair of shoes which are fish. They are fish slippers. So it looks like you put your feet into fish, which is one of the most grotesque things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, I'm about to send you one where it looks like a duck is on top of the foot. Which is very grotesque. <laughs> Excellent. I'm very glad that you're sending that on to me. Can um, you be very grotesque? Yeah. This is, anyway. Grotesque, I believe. Is Gro- ah, grotesque. Yeah. Grotesque. A grotesquery chicken. That's what I like to eat. Oh, good God, those are revolting. <laughs> can you see it? Yeah, I can. It's some kind of horrible... Why has it got a... It's it's bill is sewn shut yep and then the needle is through the bill at the end and it's on a chain to the zip what is this this looks to me to be what they call high fashion i'm gonna post this in the show notes so i can see how horrible it is high fartion <laughs> you're, like. you're, you're, you're making a lot of fart puns today i am i've unleashed my inner paddy johnston i think <laughs> virtual shoe museum.com Oh, this is a website that's full of all horrible shoes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, virtualshoemuseum.com. Really fucked up website. It's full of stuff like this. So apparently Ducky's full name is Phil Ducky Dale. Oh, so that's the way his actual name has Ducky in it. No, so Ducky is his nickname. Right. But why? I don't know. Nobody knows. He because he looks like a duck, maybe. It's he does a, look like a bit he like a duck. He looks a bit like a duck, yeah. doesn't he? He's always quacking. He drives me quackers. Um but yeah, so yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Um it's not very long either. It's only ni- you know, it's a quick 90 minutes. Yeah, it's a it's a inoffensive light nice teenage romance film with a good soundtrack and James Spader's beautiful voice. Yep. Being creepy and very nasty (laughs) for no reason at all. Yep. He's just a horrible, horrible bastard in this. Um, So have you got anything else? Have you got anything else you want to say before we move on? It's just that everyone's hair in this movie was good. And I think that my hair's going that direction in lockdown. So I'm happy about that. Good. Are you going to go for the full ducky look? Yeah, the full ducky, which is the prom when it was kind of like slicked down and into the middle, like a sort of weird beak. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, a hair beak. My co-workers are going to love it when I show up on Zoom. Like, check out my hair beak. Have, have you noticed 
on on video conferences that people have started wearing hats. No, is this a thing? Yeah, so I noticed. Well, we had a f- family one this weekend just gone, and everyone was wearing hats there. But was I there realise it was. A was trend. there a reason for that? Or well, Granddad did- started it because he was wearing his Peaky Blinders hat, and I went Peaky Blinders. <laughs> and then everyone else started did. putting hats on, so it was just like. Well, oh, okay. So, so yeah, that it wasn't just that you turned it on and everybody was wearing hats at that very moment. No, but this sounds like a good, thing. good instance of kind of low key trolling, doesn't it? And and so I think that people have been putting hats on, and apparently it's because people's hair is getting uh, their their hair is getting too long, and so they're wearing hats to cover it up. Oh, I thought you meant like as a joke. So you'd wear like a really outrageous hat and just turn it on, be totally deadpan, and just be like, "What do I have? Something on my face?" No, but but I I am tempted, and I can't do it because I have to be professional, unfortunately. Like, what um, hat can you wear that looks professional? Well, the no, top people, hat? people. <laughs> I think that would be worse. Um, but no, th- no, this is something else entirely. So you have a um, you bought me a cardboard cutout of Guy Fieri for my birthday I did. one year, which was very very good. Not um, life size. Not life size, but big enough that I was. Scale is about one to three, I think. Yeah, and and every time I have a video conference where I have to put the the camera on, every time I think to myself, can I get away with just having Guy Fieri's face yes. as the first thing they see? And I'm like, mm, I'm not sure if I can. Yeah, you should. And then just like go, get out of here, Guy. We're not doing diners, drive-ins and dives now. And then play the clip of him going, we're rolling out and then turn the camera off and then scrabble around and then appear and it's you. Yeah, I don't think that yeah, sorry my, about that, guys. I don't think that my work would appreciate hijinks <laughs> like that, unfortunately. Um <laughs> unfortunately I don't think I could get away with that. Um but yeah. Yeah, no so no hats. I've seen a couple of people wearing hats. What kind of hats? Just like baseball hats or peaky blinders hats, that kind of really? thing. Really? That surely looks unprofessional. Yeah. It, yeah, um, but um, I mean, the thing is that I'm I'm a firm believer in if your work is good, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I haven't worn a collared shirt in months, but like, I'm, I'm just I'm just there wearing a t-shirt. But I don't know something about wearing. A, I have I haven't yet encountered anyone wearing a baseball cap or what was the other one? A peaky blinders peaky cap. Peaky blinders hat. So, old yeah, man, I'd... old man Johnson here. Johnston here is like, <laughs> oh, hats are unprofessional. How dare you wear a hat yeah. in my presence? But also, surely you'd be indoors, and who wears a hat indoors? Yeah, no, I think it's just people that are maybe a little bit concerned about their hair. If it's if they're men, that their hair is getting too big, and they haven't taken the plunge to shaving it all off yet. Yeah, I mean, I have considered cutting my own hair, but I think the growth is going okay so far. Fingers crossed. I need to go for another home haircut because it's already really? getting a bit long. Yeah, so it's not to oh, the extent geez. that it needs to be. But the the first one ended up being rather good. So I think it'll be okay, hopefully. But I'm actually, I genuinely watched this film and was like, I want James Spader's hair in this. I, I want my hair to go in that kind of direction. I think you'd look better with Molly Ringwald's hair. Well, yeah, that's also an option. You should, you should go for that instead. Yeah, but I don't know how they style it, you know. I need some 80s hairstyle tips. 
and and maybe you could just message James and go, hey, you have beautiful hair in this film. How did you do it? Dear Mr. California. <laughs> Isn't he bald now? Wouldn't it be like he a slap is. in the face? Um, or a slap on the head? <laughs> I think he's probably comfortable. James, James Spader. We know you're listening because we know we you're know a you huge every fan. Week. Big fan. Um, let us know about your hair. You always Please. seem like you're quite comfortable and happy. We want to make sure you're okay. We want to make sure you're comfortable and happy. So, you know, give us a little message. Give us a cheeky wink. If Share you're okay. your secrets. Yeah. Um, anyway, right. So, anything else to say? Or do you want a little bit um, of Just trivia? that as well, I think the, the cast of this film, obviously Molly Ringwald is well known from that period. James Spade has been in some other stuff. Harry Dean Stanton, obviously. But the rest of them, I don't think were as big stars as some of the people in the other other films of the era as well. So maybe that's just a testament to how it doesn't necessarily endure as much as some of the other stuff from the time. Well, I, I think people did okay. So yeah, James Spader is very good. You've got Annie Potts, obviously, from Ghostbusters and, and Ghostbusters 2 as well. Um, so yeah, and then what, what was the... What was the comedy that John Cryer was in? He was in that sitcom, wasn't he? Um, See, I uh, didn't recognise him. Um, so he was... Oh, here we go. Yeah, it was Two and a Half Men. He oh, I never the, saw it. He was the other guy in Two and a Half Men for years and years and years and years. Right. Um, so they, they've done fine out of Oh, it. no, I, I see a picture of him now in 2011 looking like a discarded beastie boy. <laughs> Um, and and he had a he had a role in uh, Hot Shots as well the 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 funny uh, right. Top Gun parody. Um, so yeah, he's he's done he's done just fine. The first um, time I saw Andrew McCarthy in this, I thought it was a young Rob Schneider. <laughs> what? I know it was just a momentary thing. <laughs> um, but he's um, he's gone into directing as well, hasn't he? Um, so he does, um, quite a lot of TV. So I think he does, um, things like he's done Origins of the New Black. He's done The Blacklist. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's done some, um, he's done some very good television. Interesting. Um, as a director. I did not know that. So, um, so yeah. And then obviously, you know, he had those, he was, uh, in Weekend at Bernie's as well in terms of other big 80s movies. Oh, yeah. I love Weekend at Bernie's. Um, so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so, uh, you know, I think there's been, you know, Mo- Molly Ringworld, obviously one of the big stars of the 80s. Um, James Spader, very well known as well. Um, so I was obviously wrong in, in what I said. I just can't remember people. Because I'm <laughs> old man Johnston over here. Old man Johnston over here talking about baseball caps to nobody. Shouting at chairs. (laughs) Old man, Uncle Grandpa, Johnston. (laughs) Yeah, I like baseball caps. I own many of them. I just, I don't wear them indoors. I mean, why would you really? You just get all sweaty. Yeah. You don't need to keep the sun out of your eyes. We're in, we're a no indoors baseball cap podcast. This is the, the, this is the hill we die on. (coughs) It's a policy. Well, I'm I'm allergic to it. See, even yeah. just talking about it, it's setting my allergies off. <laughs> riles you up. Yeah, you got, you got to get right into the telegraph. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> anyway, right. Okay, so so trivia, trivia time, trivia time. Yeah, hit me. Um, this is filmed at the same high school as Greece. Um, I thought it had a kind of classic high school look. Yeah, yeah. Um, James Spader was also offered the role of Blaine, but he chose the role of Steph instead. Of course um, he did. <laughs> yes, of course he did. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of the other, a lot of the other trivia you've already brought up. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, apparently also Molly Ringwald did not like the pink prom dress that she had to wear. Oh really? Yeah. That's a shame. Um, yeah, so uh, so that is a shame. This movie also includes uh, Dweezil Zappa. Yeah. Frank Zappa's son? Yeah. Um, who is also um, in another movie that I watched recently, uh, The Running Man, which is a film I loved. Oh, really? And basically... I, Wait, did you did you watch that after we did all the Hunger Games? Films? Yeah, that's, I got so like, an I got so annoyed thing. at I got so annoyed at the Hunger Games that I was like, I need to go and watch a movie that does the entire arc of the Hunger Games, but much better and with Arnold Schwarzenegger in a lycra jumpsuit. And so I watched The Running Man, um, which is great. Did you know that Paula Abdul did the dance choreography in The Running Man because I did not. The Running Man has dances in it. It's so good. Um, I need to see this. You really do. I really wish <laughs> that there was enough romance in it to justify watching it on this podcast because it is genuinely one of the best movies of all time, all capitalised. I am not <laughs> even joking here. It is so much fun. Um, and it's got it's got the most concentrated amount of Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners in a single movie, I think, The Running Man. It's, it's beautiful. Really? Beautiful, yeah. He's just constantly, constantly giving one-liners. Um, but yes, that is a different movie for a different day. Um, how are we going to rank Pretty in Pink? Uh, let's see. How much money do you have that I don't have? Because <laughs> I'm poor. <laughs> how much money? <laughs> I, I, Out I, of $20. I have 14, 14 money. <laughs> Well, not even dollars, just just money. How many money? money. I have fourteen money. Fourteen money is what I have. I I've got twelve money. So yeah, you're you're richer than me. Uh, I'm afraid we can't go out and get prom together. Yeah, sorry, it's not allowed. Didn't you ask someone else anyway? I did. I asked out someone who also had fourteen money. Oh, that's a shame. James Spader, he's got fourteen money. You get it. You better go hang out with your creepy sex pest friend who is also part of the Twelve Money Crew. Yeah. Oh, the Twelve Money Crew. That sounds like a rap group. <laughs> Definitely does actually. Twelve Money Crew. Um, anyway, right. So next up, I I had a film in mind, but then I was looking through James Spader stuff because I love his voice, as you do. So. I think I'm going to go with my original plan and I'm going to put a pin in the other one that I found actually and we'll do it another time because I wanted to go from iconic 80s romance You're putting a film. pin in James Spader. I'm putting a pin in James Spader. I'm sorry, James. I hope it I doesn't, hope he doesn't too mind. much. Yeah. I'm sure you're fine with it. You seem like a pretty swell dude. Um, do you want to come over here and put a pin in my neighbour's dog that's fucking barking <laughs> again? Shut well, up. It just needs James Spader to just whisper sweet nothings to it and it will calm down. <laughs> yeah. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? Um, 
Anyway, we're going to we're going to be watching a 90s iconic romantic movie which is oh, one Beethoven, that I finally we're <laughs> finally going to watch Beethoven. Um, <laughs> the movie that uh that everyone's been waiting for. Um no, we're going to be watching uh Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Ah, okay. Good call. Good call. Just because I want to make you listen to Radiohead, and this is the only chance oh, I have. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'd forgotten that they they were anywhere on the soundtrack. So they have I that one seen it in a long time. They have that one song. I've not seen it in ages. Um, let's do it. Let's let's talk Romeo and Juliet. Both of them. Both of them. Romeo plus Juliet, as it is stylized. Yep. It's important that you say it that way or Baz Luhrmann will get angry. He will be furious with me. He'll be like, mate, it's not Romeo and Juliet. It's Romeo plus Juliet. Thank you very much. This is mathematics. His face will turn a nice shade of rouge. It will. It will. Moulin rouge. Rouge. (laughs) (laughs) Good, Good choice. Good choice. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I don't know if I am, but I've got the compulsion. It's got to be done. It'll yeah. No, it's been, been a very long time since I watched it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really do appreciate it and hope that this podcast is providing you some, some comfort and a nice diversion in these dark and strange times. Thank you very much to Killian for suggesting we watch Pretty in Pink. It's a good call. A nice, and yeah, a nice, um, nice fun little um, palate cleanser after the Hunger Games. <laughs> very different. And yeah, much needed. <laughs> yeah. But both are essentially high school movies. Yeah, they are. They are. Who are the cool kids? Not the ones from District 12. Yeah, exactly. 12 Money. The 12 Money Crew. <laughs> the 12 Money Crew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Please share your thoughts. Let us know if you have any, any requests, recommendations, etc. Always love to hear from you. Yeah, do you think you look pretty in pink? Yeah. Who do you think looks pretty in pink? Do you think I look pretty in pink? The answer is James Spader. (laughs) Of course the answer is James Spader. Whatever the question is, the answer is always James Spader. (laughs) Definitely. All right. We'll be back next week to talk about Romeo plus Juliet. All righty. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore.